Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very accomplished leader, professional from the US, Mr. Newell Eaton. Newell, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. It's uh, really a pleasure to meet you and uh, look forward to having this conversation. Thank you. Uh, Newell is a leadership coach. Uh, He's a creative group facilitator. So Newell, today we're going to talk coaching. Uh, Let me start by asking you, how did you determine that coaching was what you wanted to do? It's interesting uh, you asked that question. I think coaching discovered me. I didn't really Mm -hmm. discover coaching. Um, What happened was I had a career for about 27 years uh, really working in youth development, youth services inside New York State's government. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that process, I a lot of times was working with the most senior leaders of all kinds of government agencies and mm-hmm. became known as this sort of strategic thought partner. Mm-hmm. So when I retired, I, mean, I had been working with a coach and she said, you know, Newell, what you do is coaching. I said, huh? I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought of myself as a strategic planner, as a, a, a change agent who dealt with systems. And she said, no, what you've been doing all along when you've been meeting with those leaders, mm. you know, the kinds of questions you ask, the way you help engage in creative problem solving with them, we call that coaching. Okay. So, so when I retired, mm. I hung up, I, I went to a meeting uh, of the American Association of Training and Development, mm-hmm. and I stood up and to introduce myself. And I said, one of the things I do is leadership coaching. Mm-hmm. And two people came up to me and said, we need you. Oh, so wow. that's, that's how it, how it took off. But okay. I still do a lot of team, team oriented and mm-hmm. strategic mm-hmm. planning work as well. Fascinating. And you know, you have focused your attention on changing the way we as a society culture, uh, you know, treat young people. Help yeah. me understand what you do with an example. Yeah. Uh, for, for the way, first of all, the way I got into that's kind of important to, to set the, set up that example. Mm-hmm. I've always been kind of a change agent, uh, an activist. Mm-hmm. Beginning uh, when I was an exchange student in South America, mm-hmm. I really uh, saw so much corruption that it really angered the Boy Scout in me. Correct. Right. So when I came back from that and, and in Boy Scouts, I had been a leader of young people. I learned mm-hmm was well-trained in leadership of, mm. of, of young folks. So when I came back, I got involved as a, in the Vietnam War protest movement. Mm. And as part of that, somebody said, hey, Newell, we've got this group of kids we'd like you to uh, work with. Would you be interested in helping them, if, inner city kids, helping mm. them create a, a place to express themselves on walls? Mm. So when I worked with them, I realized I had a natural affinity to doing that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. working with kids. Um, and they didn't want to do the graphics on the wall. They wanted to play basketball. Mm. So I took, I met them where they were at. We played basketball and then we did some graphics on mm-hmm. the wall. Mm-hmm. And so in that, I started realizing that as a society, we, we don't look at what great things kids have to offer, teenagers in particular, mm. that they how do we start thinking about them as problem solvers rather mm-hmm. than as problems to solve? Because of all mm-hmm. the isms of teenage pregnancy and youthful drug abuse and gangs. Mm-hmm. So I had an orientation, that sort of positive uh, strengths-based orientation. Mm-hmm. I may have read about it, but it, it really came to me. So when I was offered a job to set up a youth center, 
I went and set up a youth center in a, wow. a local city. Okay. And that, so the example is that I started working with kids that had run away from home or were homeless. Mm-hmm. And I could see there was a tremendous need uh, for that. And it's like, how did I help these kids find out the resources within themselves? Mm. That led to people saying, oh, Noel, we need you to come over to a bigger city and set up a youth agency. Mm. So I set up a youth agency and did that for a couple of years and then created a state coalition of youth agencies. And that's what led me into state government because they wanted someone to organize all, to, a new law was passed for runaway and homeless kids. Mm. They said, you created that mess, Newell, because I had organized it. Come on in here and run it. Mm. And I said, I'd stay for 18 months. And then 26 years went by. Mm. So, wow. but the, so the example really is that um, there's so many in, the, in that experience mm. that it really, it, we, it needs to be a reframe on how we think about adolescence mm. as resources. There were major untapped mm. uh, resource. And so I've built a whole uh, a life, you know, a life of work for years focused on that agenda until I retired. Mm. How amazing. So I've got to ask you this question then, you know, since you worked with young people for 29, 30 years, this is the age of the millennials and the Gen Zs, and they're coming in with an incredible perspective on life and the world and the environment and the climate, etc. I'd love yeah. to get your perspective on how has youth evolved in your yeah, opinion over the last three decades or four decades. That's a fascinating question. I, I think we sometimes also treat them all like the, there are these categories, okay. right? And uh, you know, when I interview leaders that mm. are those ages, mm. I, I meet some 20-year-olds that feel older to me than 60-year-olds mm. <laughs> in terms of their mindset. Correct. So I really don't see it quite as cleanly as the, as the sociological kind of write-ups in the paper. Mm. But it is important to, when I talk to folks about what were your experiences growing up? What was the world like when you, grow, when you were growing up? Mm. They started at a very different mindset situation in terms of that so it is it's kind of meeting them where they're at either Mm -hmm. as a if in an organizational context what are the things that they want that are different Mm -hmm. than what others want i mean we certainly with uh the pandemic that's happened the whole a great reshuffle is is starting to be called yeah a lot of them are appreciating the freedom and see new opportunities at least that's true in the western you know the cultures that i'm working in Mm -hmm. Where they see they really don't need to go back to the office. Mm. That's or true. Not, and, and, and at least not in many jobs. That is true. Um, well said. Well said. So we're, we're going to see them change and change and change. Mm. Um, it's how, basically how do we help them, all of them, and mm. all ages, really develop more of a growth mindset? If they're stuck in an I know it all, my grandson's 22, right? Mm. And he's a brilliant young man, but he's, he's in that know it all phase, mm. right? He hasn't had enough bumps yet to realize that hmm, maybe there's some other ways of seeing things. Since I think that's one of the ways we could be helpful is, is to well broaden said. their perspective. Well said, well said. So, Duel, coming back to coaching now, um, how has your history impacted your coaching philosophy, your style and your values? Yeah, it's a. Uh, I've had a couple of great teachers, you know, mm-hmm. that really shaped me. I mean, the first in an interesting way, I was thinking about it in, before we, we were meeting, 
my mother went to school in ch for child development mm -hmm. when I was nine years old she be to become a teacher. She had been an artist. Mm -hmm. And my youngest sister was not, I was nine. My youngest, my middle sister was born. So she started teaching me about uh, what she was learning in school. I was her first student mm -hmm. around child development. And I became curious and fascinated about human development. Mm -hmm. And I think that really began to shape the philosophy of curiosity about humanity mm. and how humans behave both mm. individually and in groups that set the foundation for my coaching orientation. Mm. And then when I was, um, I guess I was 16, my father uh, was a funeral director as well as a jazz musician. Mm -hmm. Funny, get a fun mm -hmm. family, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and he need, periodically would need someone to sit out on the porch when people would come from the inside the funeral home to come out and smoke on the porch. Mm -hmm. And the, in the business, they call it door call, where you stand out there and help people in, but you stand out there. And he says, Newell, your job is to listen to their stories. Okay. So I got fascinated listening to people talk about the person who had passed away. Wow. And so I began to have that caring curiosity, mm. which had really been initially uh, set in, in, in place through my mother's orientation to human mm. development. So that really created sort of the philosophical foundation for, mm. for my, my coaching. And since then, I was trained by a gestalt therapist mm. to really start looking at the body more than just mm. the talk. You know, I, I studied under that. So I became very body centered in my orientation, um, body and emotions. We call it the, the, the self, the, the somatic, the emotional, the linguistic, the people's practices and their history. That really creates the foundation for my orientation. Oh, amazing. What, a, what an amazing story. Uh, my next question to you, Newell, is what is your story about why coaching matters? Yeah. And how did you develop that narrative? After all my years of trying to promote youth development in government, I, what I noticed was that business leaders seemed to have the most impact on change. Mm -hmm. So when I, um, when I left government, I had a number of consultants that, had hired, that I had hired when I was inside government mm -hmm. who said, come work for us in the business sector. Mm -hmm. And I thought I knew nothing about business. And what they told me is they knew, well, with the changes you were able to make in government, you're going to find mm -hmm. working in business going to be very easy, right. which turned out to be true, but I didn't believe that at first. Mm -hmm. but I entered it with the notion that the folks that are having the most impact on the world are leaders in the profit-making sector, somewhat in the nonprofit, but it's independent. And, and so coaching those leaders so that they would create organizations that were healthy, mm -hmm. that people would love to work in, that mm -hmm. are good neighbors locally and globally, globally, which has become even more important with our mm -hmm. climate change issues mm -hmm. of today. Mm -hmm. So I be, I've always been kind of a missionary in one form or another. Right. So my mission has been really to help shape mm -hmm. differences in leadership. And that really has been my, um, my passion ever since. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, when again, I was reading about you, there are a lot of important people in your life who seem to have shaped you and influenced you. Tell me a little bit about uh, these individuals and how they have shaped you. Yeah. Well, I spoke already of my parents. I mean, yeah. I, I grew up in a, a home. Um, we didn't have much money, but we never knew we didn't have much money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a very happy childhood. Mm -hmm. um, 
when I'm working with many people who've gone through a lot of suffering and traumas, mm -hmm. it's, I didn't, I didn't have that. My first traumas was a girlfriend broke up with me kind of a mm -hmm. thing, you know, uh, kind of stuff. So yeah. being the oldest of five, needing to take care of my siblings, mm -hmm. my choir leader at church uh, really got me to singing and got mm -hmm. me seeing a big picture my scout leaders. All of them were formative. Mm -hmm. And then we had, I had a high school teacher and my high school was so small that when they wanted to do a play, you didn't try out for it. They came over and they handed you a part and said, this is the part you're playing. Mm. Same was true with the football team. Yeah. You know, the coach came, the coach came to me and said, you're going to be the end. You know, so I had adults that surrounded me early on mm. that influenced me. And then once I got to college, um, I had two college profs that helped me see how to engage in what we called applied anthropology. I started mm. in architecture and quickly decided, you know, I really am more interested in what goes on in buildings mm. while I love design than I am in creating business buildings. Mm. So uh, they really helped shape my thinking about the world and how to make big change and, mm. and the notion of how to be a change agent. Mm. And when I left college, um, I had a marriage that broke up my, uh, and so I was kind of traumatized. So I went and saw a therapist, mm -hmm. uh, gestalt bioenergetic therapist. So I studied under him because mm -hmm. I thought I was going to become a therapist at that mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. um, and then changed my mind. I was much more street, I would say. Yeah. And so and Ron Kurtz really influenced me to have this sort of awareness of body and emotions mm -hmm. in terms of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in more recent terms, Bob Dunham, uh, my, my, the guy who is running the Institute for Generative Leadership, the mm -hmm. coaching program I went mm -hmm. through, had a huge impact in my thinking about my current coaching philosophy mm -hmm. and the kind of skill sets that I use. Oh, I, there are many more, but those yep, are the ones yep, that come yep, to yep. right now. Ash, Ash. Yep. And yet, and yet uh, Newell, uh, you also say that there is an, you know, something incomplete from your past that is affecting your ability to be the best coach you can be. Tell me a little bit about this. I, you know, it's a great question. I think there are a few. I mean, the, the one that really strikes me is that I only speak English. I only mm. speak American English. Mm. And I had opportunities when I was an exchange student in South America to begin to really learn Spanish. And I never kept up that, kept mm. that up. And I, mm. there have been a number of times where I've really been sorry that I'm not bilingual or trilingual. Mm. My wife speaks French and a little bit of German and I'm, really envious of that. And I think it limits my perspective yeah. mm. uh, in terms of things. Mm. Um, the other is that um, I never really completed any of the degree programs beyond my bachelor uh, for a host of reasons. And mm. I think um, maybe some university training would, would have been beneficial. But, mm. So those are, mm. those are kind of skill sets. But I think mm. in terms of my inner state, um, I still I, I've described it recently as like, I come across to most people as a very caring human being, someone who's got a big heart, but I still think I've got a, a wall inside me. Mm. There's a stage where as much as I meditate and as much as I do loving kindness type meditation, I got a limit there that I really want to open up. Mm. And so I think that's my, still my work. Okay. It's like, while I deeply, uh, engaged in thinking about my practices like the Brahma Viharas from the Buddhist practices. Mm -hmm. um, the more I've gone through long silent meditation retreats, I realize there's something holding me back. There's a mm -hmm. shadow in there. And that's my work to, to really start exploring that. Wow. 
Wow. Uh, one more question, uh, again, with your background. How does the historical context in which you were raised impact you, your view of yourself, your clients, and your coaching? Yeah, I'm definitely a, a product of the 60s, is what we would say about the United States. Mm -hmm. The Vietnam era, the counterculture, I was yeah. very active in all of that, lived mm -hmm. in communes. Uh, so really learn large group process in a very complex set of environments. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was my adolescence. My, mm -hmm. In the 50s, uh, when I was a little boy, um, I really had, as I was saying, I really had it pretty good mm -hmm. when I look at the, all the suffering that I was unaware of that was going Correct. on. Mm -hmm. So I think those were extremely influential. Mm -hmm. And being a young parent, uh, I had a son when I was 20 years old, mm -hmm. uh, who's now, you know, one of the, he, he's one of the loves of my life and my grandkids. Mm -hmm. um, being a young parent, talk about youth development, mm -hmm. I was dealing with that all along. And when I deal with my peers, they, most of them didn't have their kids till probably 10, 20 years later. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think having, um, being a young parent really had a significant influence and being, I split with uh, my first wife mm. so being a sharing parenting cross locations mm. uh, really had an influence both um, looking for being how to be creative as a parent mm. in that kind mm. of way but mm. also set some limits so those are Very my own history that matter quite yeah, a bit yeah, yeah. Of, you know Very we all have those one sort or another yeah. oh, absolutely absolutely so I'm now going to move to a few questions for you personally, because my yeah. viewers and listeners love to get to know my guest a little better. Um, my first question to you, Newell, is that in a, in a life well lived, you've done so many different things. What would you say are three key milestones or pivot points in your life or your career? Yeah, in my life, um, being an exchange student to South America. Mm -hmm uh gave me a perspective i thought i knew what the world was at 15 mm -hmm. and it completely opened me up to realize how little i knew i became more of what we would call now in the coaching field and i don't know mm -hmm. at all right? correct. correct um i wish that for my grandson <laughs> i wish he could get mm -hmm. some of that um and uh, also as i mentioned a little bit earlier I really saw the corruption mm. of politics and church and economics that existed in the elite because I was living mm. with some of the most elite people in Correct. that country mm -hmm. um, and made me angry. So that really shaped me. So that was a, a, a significant mm -hmm. milestone. Mm. Um, becoming a father in the middle of the Vietnam War and um, being a protester and thinking about being a conscientious objector um and the nature of what is life about was uh, another pivot point okay and the third was um my second marriage where my wife my second wife developed um became a manic depressive and suicidal oh okay uh from and it was biochemical mm -hmm. and there was nothing i could do about it mm -hmm. And eventually the decision to leave her after being together 25 years mm -hmm. uh, to now the relationship I'm in, which I've now been in 20 years, mm -hmm. which has uh, really shaped a whole new life for me. So it's like my chapters 
of my life are very distinct in that regard. The who I am now mm-hmm. is a composite of all those uh, learnings, you know, old warrior of the world in an interesting kind of way. But What a fascinating journey. And thank you so much for sharing this with me. Yeah. Um, my next question to you is, uh, in, again, in a life well lived with so many different facets to it, what does success mean to Newell? Mm. Um, you know that story they tell about uh, the kid walking down the beach who's got starfish and he's mm-hmm. throwing them in mm-hmm. and the person comes up to him and says, why are you doing that? You're not making much of a difference. Mm-hmm. And he throws the starfish in and he goes, it makes a difference to that starfish. I know. So um, I really see my life at this stage is, well, I've worked in big systems change mm-hmm. for a large chunk mm-hmm. of my career. Um, I'm now really focusing on the one-on-ones, you know, one person at a time or a team mm-hmm. in organizations uh, in terms of it. So, uh, you know, um, and I, I've kind of have my legacy behind me, mm-hmm. you know, at, at 73, uh, I've done a lot of things I'm very proud of and mm-hmm. I could see made a difference. So now it's just all gravy, you know. Well, the world's a mess still, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm doing a lot around climate change, activism, and other things. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it really is a feeling of I love to work with people. I love I love the, the leaders I get to coach mm-hmm. and the teams I get to work with and the things I get to do. It's a how to the the issue Ashtash is how to limit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like I say to the world that I'm building my work around my life, not mm-hmm. my life around my work. That's it. That's that's my intention, but lately I'm looking at my calendar and it's not so true. Right, <laughs> so, so I need to get back back in that I place. Agree. I agree, and I completely agree with what you are saying to build my life around my work rather than the other way around. Right, that's fantastic. So I've got time for one more question, Newell, and I was thinking about what to ask you. But this question is for the many many people who will listen to us. Uh, what would you say? Our three lessons mm. our viewers and listeners can take back from this conversation. Yeah, what I think uh, really strikes me is, first of all, and, and I get this from having been a, a, a pitcher, a baseball pitcher, you know, mm-hmm. is that the being able to be focusing, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to do habit change, mm-hmm. or if you really want to get something done, how do you make sure you really are focused, Mm -hmm. being really present, being aware? Mm. Sounds so easy. Very hard, but really is essential. That's number one. Um, The the next one I take from, there's uh, one of my favorite teachers is Jennifer Garvey Berger. Mm. And in a way, she says a version of, don't believe everything you think. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so I really try to ask myself the question I suggest to others to say, how might I be wrong? Yeah. You know, anytime I'm really feeling, I surely know, mm. it's like, let's have that other member of my committee ask that question. Mm. And the other is that uh, for, particularly for leaders, most things we think are problems to solve are really polarities to manage. Mm. There's a lot of things that there really isn't a right answer. Mm-hmm. That it's, uh, you know, there's really that sense yeah. that uh, 
you have to look along, we're on a continuum, particularly in today's world where things are in constant change. But I do want to add a fourth. Yeah, absolutely. The fourth, it's a really important um, to make space for playing. Mm. You know, the way we play is the way we live. Absolutely. So to, to make sure that there is a certain amount of, um, I think we're designed for play. Mm. You know, serious play perhaps. But that's really, uh, when you get down to it, um, I, in, in, I don't know if this will translate internationally, but I sometimes take a quote for, I think it comes from the sixties mm-hmm. from some TV show. It's like, we're all bozos on the bus of life. Absolutely. So let's laugh at ourselves a little mm-hmm. bit when we get too damn yeah. serious. Yeah. You know, kind yeah. Of. yeah, absolutely. You will on that note from a baseball pitcher to say, to make space for playing. I think what a great way to end a conversation. I, you know, I've often heard this from many people. I've also said this myself, that we must always remember to have fun in life. And I think that's your message as well. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your incredible journey uh, from a young individual. You know, I loved your story about listening to stories, uh, you know, at, at a funeral home where your father was a director. I loved your story about how you were an activist and what suddenly got you into coaching. And then uh, it was amazing at how well you were able to relate a lot of your stories to coaching, which you seem to be very, very passionate about. Thank you again for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you for the opportunity, Ashtas. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.